Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Open Mike Eagle. Welcome to season four, episode nine of what had happened was this is the conclusion of Illadelph Half-Life. Man, this episode. So all of Illadelph Half-Life was basically one three hour long conversation. And uh, when I got to the question of, so what about the root song and video, what they do? I thought the conversation was winding down and hot damn was I wrong. What we get after that is what I'm going to go out on a limb and say is the greatest story of this season of what had happened was. And speaking of seasons, it's the holiday season and I'm going on tour uh, starting today. If you're hearing this on Wednesday, December 6th, I'm performing in Houston, followed by Dallas, Brooklyn, Philly, D.C., Boston, Hamden, Connecticut, Orlando and Miami. For details, go to MikeEagle.net. This podcast is part of the Stony Island Audio Podcast Network, the home of hip-hop podcasts you can actually listen to. With shows like Super Duty Tough Work with Blueprint and Illogic, the Fatherhoods Podcast, and the Dad Bod Rap Pod. And with that, let's get into the conclusion of Illadelph Half-Life. Season 4, Episode 9 of What It Happened Was with the one and only Quest Love. Through the podcast, Philadelphia Half Life. Pick up a flashlight, thick as a mag light on the last album, ripping the bagpipes. And this is the half life, the grind like the lip of a half pipe, and sharp like the tip of stalactites. They wasn't clones though, they punching your nose bone. The roots roll tight like it's turbo and ozone. No toast price like them all on the roads though. Blind the devil with the bold black and gold shine. Travel through the Uber verse with the calm sense. The bomb shit give us five stars for the content. Push up. Delighted to contend with the darkness is what it happened was. Open Mike Eagle and Quest Love for the Illadelph half stories. This is the plug to have the roots, got it all out the mud. Once a- this is your host, Open Mike Eagle. Season 4, what it happened was. This is part 3. Illadelph half life. We keep changing the theme. It's like the anime. Something traumatic happened. We'll get back into it in one second, but I need to take a quick moment and shout out our sponsor, DistroKid. Man, so many of my homies use DistroKid. It's a music distribution service that makes distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. A million plus artists, and I swear I know at least 100 of them. And now DistroKid has an app. You can use the app to upload new releases, see your DistroKid bank, and get notified when you've earned royalties. You can even check your streaming stats live. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Go to the App Store and download it. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely with collaborators, producers, booking agents, managers, playlist curators, and more. Basically, anybody that needs access to your music, there's an easy way to upload it and send them a link. Go to distrokid.com slash instant share, drag and drop your files to upload, and then you can copy and send your link right there. It's free to send one gigabyte of files. That's like 100 MP3s. Don't quote me on that. Go to distrokid.com slash open mic. That's distrokid.com slash open mic. O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E for 30% off your membership. June of 95, we're at the Source Awards and I consider the second Source Awards and I consider that hip hop's funeral. At least the, the near and dear hip hop that I knew. And anything after that moment is the slow creative decline of kind of where we are now, depending on who you ask. But people my age range, it's like that's when the air started to come out the tires. And I'm literally watching Nas as each biggie win happens. I've seen his body wilt into shame and humiliation. He was never the same after that. And so the the moment before... uh, the Let It Be Known Them. What, East Coast ain't got love for yeah, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Dre and Snoop Dogg? What? Wait, wait, wait. The East Coast don't love Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg? 
The East Coast ain't got no love for Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Death Row. Y'all don't love us? Well, let it be known then. We, we know y'all East Coast. We know we at. I grabbed my date and was like, yo, we're out of here. Yeah, you can feel like, it in the room. Because I felt like it was going to be a shootout or whatever. Because I was at the Source, the very first Source Awards a year before. And there was an incident with Tupac and a tribe. Tribe was about to win for Midnight Marauders. And there was a miscue. And Tupac came out to do, I don't give a fuck. And he was like disrespectful. I mean, and not disrespectful, but in that really like in-your-face Tupac yeah. way. Um, and so it just looked like he bum-rushed the show to do his song before Tribe even got a chance to say thank you, whatever. So there was like a little Zulu Nation incident backstage, but it wasn't it wasn't televised. So already I felt like the seeds of that in 94. So it's a year later and the have-nots are on the right side, the middle, and you know, I was there right across from Outcast when that whole the South got something to say moment. I'm tired of folks, you know what I'm saying? The closed-minded folks, you know what I'm saying? It's like we got a demo tape and don't nobody want to hear, but it's like this, the South got something to say. That's all I got to say. Mm -hmm. Everybody was booing. The first thing I, I was like, yo, I was not part of that crowd. <laughs> I'm a big fan of you guys. I listen to Mainstream every day, one of my favorite Outcast songs. Like, I'm a, you know, you're cool, Amir. And all the West, and all the, the, the East Coast winners on the other side. So as I'm running for cover, as John Singleton's like, uh-oh, the winner is... Dr. Dre. <laughs> the winner is, uh-oh, we're going to have some trouble here. The D-R-E. Dr. Dre. I run out of there and someone says, yo, 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 and puts something in my hand. And it's D'Angelo's Brown Sugar uh, single and sampler. And I listen to this thing and I'm like, yo, this guy's life changing. And I see the big, the back says Bob Power. And I call Bob up. I'm like, yo, man. Wait a minute. <laughs> He's like, I try to tell you, but he wanted me to drum. Bob wanted me to drum on shit damn motherfucker. Ron Carter, uh, jazz god, bassist, did not want to play on a song called Shit Damn Motherfucker. So that session got canceled anyway ron carter canceled it not me but you know i was looking at the i was like you corny i'm, I'm good i'm good on r&b because all that stuff is corny and so when i got brown sugar that summer i was like i gotta i gotta figure out a, a way to to calculate and scheme my way back into this that's guy's real life as hell that's real because as hell. this guy's the fucking future and i gotta so when he's sitting there, and I know that's D'Angelo, and Bahamadia confirmed it for me. It's like, yeah, okay. So all that planning I did for the Fuji show and all that stuff, I went rogue. And now it's like, wait, why are you playing drums like offbeat? Did you take an edible or something? <laughs> so my intentional Dilla influence, drumming, drumming offbeat and all that stuff, I listened to it as obsessively as a fan, but I've never once thought like, oh, maybe I could drum like that. But I knew based on hearing Dream and Eyes of mine, like it's weird. Like even though Dilla's known for those drums, the drum programming on G Dream and Eyes of mine was so sloppy and sound like a four-year-old's playing drums. That that was my, like like my, hey, this is a, a new language. I better get with it. And it's just that when Dilla came in with like the far side Laugh Cabin production stuff, then I was like, it is a movement. And so it was there where I just did not warn the roots. 
that I'm playing. You know, I was known as the world's most meticulous. Precise, like, yeah. Yeah, I was the most quantized drummer ever. Is he live? Is he sample? I'm that guy. So literally, I threw everything out the window, and I'm playing like a, a, a drunk three-year-old. And despite those guys looking at me, the same way, if you remember when Marty McFly's in a Back to the Future, about to like die, and you know, playing Earth Angel, and they're looking at him like, are you okay, man? Like... <laughs> So, I mean, the show was still dope, but the roots were like, okay, whatever that was, like, is that how you going to play now? Like, real fucked up like that? And the answer was like... Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I knew I couldn't... They just didn't understand that lesson because to play that way means to throw your ego out. Because you want to... You know, drummers now are trying to do the most fanciest shit. Like, I'm the best, flashiest drummer ever. And my thing is like, mm -mm, throw your ego away. I, w I, want, I want you to be human. So when we met backstage, it was like, yo, we're brothers. And then it was like, yo, man, we got to get in the studio. He says, yeah. And then it was like, when can we do it? He's like, you tell me. And so we exchanged numbers. So the fourth quarter really starts with... Uh, the, the time where I thought this three foot, uh, I don't know what the hell she has on her head, <laughs> like this head wrap person. I later found out from Kadar Massenberg that she's a singer in her own right. And her name is Erica Badu and she has a cousin named uh, Free and they have a group together. And would you like to work with them? And we were going to do that, start making some tracks. And then later I get the call that, oh, she's just a solo artist now. And so she came to Philadelphia, and we did a cover of Anita Baker's Angel to the music of Woo Wah Got You All in Check. McDermott. Yeah, yeah, the Galt McDermott thing. Would have went through, but then on the High School High soundtrack, Faith Evans sampled it. So then that went out the window. And then I know that she wanted to make sometimes a thing with her and Tariq. Because she even sings about Tariq. It, that little interlude. Well, came to the show. I respect your flow. I want to know where you want to go to the studio. Bust a line or two. Which, like she's singing to Tariq. Afro was about me. Well, if you don't pick your Afro, you're gonna have one side high. <laughs> well, you said you was gonna take me to see Wu-Tang, baby. So I braided my hair. Well, 
And then we knocked out other side of the game. It might have been one more song that I that didn't make the album that I forget the premise was. And yeah, in Afro, I'm clearly snoring on the floor. <laughs> Speaking of snoring on the floor, the recording of No Alibi, we're mixing with, uh, there's there's a legendary engineer, uh, Kenny Duro. I don't know his last yeah, name. But I know who you mean. But he started out, we were his first clients. And based on his credits with us, then Rockefeller took him for a bit before Young Guru came along. And then I guess he became like sort of a staff engineer for anything with Clue or Clue Association. He did like Bush Babies too, didn't he? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, had, like, he had numbers yeah. under the belt or whatever. But I do remember readjusting the drums on No Alibi. I went in the drum booth and I'm drumming and I looked down. Why is Prodigy sleep in our... So... They're making hell on earth. <laughs> They're making hell. Mob Deep is making hell on earth in the studio next to us. Yo, the saga begins. Begin war. I'll draw first blood, be the first to set it off. My cause, tap all jaws, lay down laws. We take it with jaws, we do jokes, rust the doors. It kind of deeds, trying to make breeze, a gun's toss. And full force, some team will go at you. There's a, a, a very specific kind of texture that I got out of my drums on panic. I woke up in the darkness at 1217 to shots and sirens. Look out the window, peep the high beams. Now they searching. The cops looking for the person that pulled the trigger. Medical figures is nursing the kid that got shot. Some innocent octave were front. I've been reading with Bruce Bedean, like how he mixed Thriller. And he would stereoize everything. So most people record with, you know, uh, Track three is snare, top snare. Track four is bottom snare. But he, to get those drums crispy for Billy Jean, he would stereoize the drums and have two microphones on each drum, a left side and a right side. It takes up space, but, you know, we have 48 tracks. So my drum setup in the studio was more akin to like a a, a a fort, like when you're like a, a, a six year old having the sleepover, and you set up like a fort and pillow fort. Yeah, and you yeah. put the chairs up in the living room <laughs> and and the and the that sort of thing. So like from my kick drum all the way, you know, I put a chair like maybe four feet over there and covered it with a bunch of comforters and blankets and that sort of thing. But you kept hearing like. <laughs> <laughs> So I walked to the front of the kick drum and looked under and got its prodigy from Mob Deep sleeping inside my kick drum. And you was using it and he was still in there asleep? Or you just, this was before you started kicking um, the kick drum? He, no, I just walked in okay, and it was okay. dark. I had no reason to believe that uh, <laughs> I'd a have a stowaway sleeping. <laughs> only, uh, the only other person to take a nap in my drum set was Bushwick Bill. And that was like intentionally and on stage. Like he crawled inside. Like, <laughs> it's like, I, I just love the vibration. I'm like, dude, I, I got to kick this thing. I don't want to hurt you. But yeah, that's speaking of sleep. So I will say that we worked on Baduism. And then there was a paradigm shift in which we were now allowed to play in some reindeer games. Uh, I befriended Q-Tip. I befriended D'Angelo. I befriended Raphael Sadiq. So I kind of befriended the original alt, left to center, alternative hip-hop class of 96. Mm -hmm. Even befriended De La Soul. So suddenly it's like, hey, welcome aboard. Like, right. you're down with us now. Not full native tongue, but like enough that they know our names and they respect us and mm -hmm. we've done shows together and that sort of thing. So... Basically, with all of them, it's like, hey, you want to? Can you be on the record? Can you be on the record? Can you be on the record? So, I'll say in one fell swoop. Fourth quarter is uh, we go to Battery Studios, and Tip brings a whole bunch of records in. So I tell comes out of that. I want to be able to reach an MC and reach a little child in the 
same degree and my elders excel I mean what the hell we might as well bridge these gaps at all before we fall yeah so I tell the thing was I thought that was a q-tip like especially like he made up that song so we did not clear that song from oh okay yeah, the, yeah. oh he you know When it came out, then suddenly, like, uh, where's Hello? our money Hello? at? It's like, oh, goddamn. But <laughs> thank God that uh, I guess he respected the roots. And it was just like, because sometimes it's not like that. Yeah. Like, if you put it out before you cleared it, then they got your balls to the wall. They right. can say, like, a trillion dollars. But he was just like, hey, that's our song. Uh, okay. Uh, we were looking for you, but you were in Japan. So, you know, we were good with that. So we knocked that out. Then, um, what they do? How's that one built musically? So, you know, I decided, like, and it was literally like, yo, Rich, I'm taking the helm on this thing. You know, by that point, everyone had like all these beats and, right. <laughs> and they would skip the middleman and just go straight to Tariq straight and to Malik. MCs, yeah. And the thing is, a root song is not a root song unless Tariq and Malik are like, we fucks with this. And so it's like, all right, cool. All right. So I want to helm this. I want to helm this. I want to helm this. So we go out to Sacramento, uh, to Raphael's crib. Funniest thing ever, like his American Music Award for best group is like his door stopper uh, <laughs> in his garage, which is like where I got the brilliant idea. Like, oh yeah, I'll put all my Grammys in the bathroom. Like, you know, again, like we're so self-deprecating with like achievements or whatever. It's like, oh, I don't care about that stuff. So um, we went to his crib. I think he, did he take us to a strip club first or whatever? I forget what it was. And then, we kind of had a real with uh, a rough groove of what was what they do. I definitely remember um, his engineer, uh, whose name escapes me right now. His engineer, um, I don't know. I did some of my tricks this time, no backwards, uh, <laughs> ethereal keyboard sound and stuff. I think uh, I took a cue from Prince where I played the drums. Uh, I very speeded the tape slow so that way when you played it regular it sounded like really tinny and small and he played bass on it I remember like and again we don't know what a hook is or what effect we just figured like I think in my mind like an R&B hook is whatever Jewel's doing at the end of Dre Day <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. oh yeah Yeah. You know, like we're not thinking about like familiarity or lyrics or connecting with the audience or that sort of thing. So I think in hindsight, I would have not chosen that moment, you know, to talk about like MCs or that sort of thing. And since you, I, you, since know, you alluded, have. And I alluded into the other podcast that, you know, that, that the, the sort of sting of, you know, well, Remember, if you see anyone else doing this hip-hop one-on-one thing, we did it first. Like, so maybe the last two K-Solo lines, my man came over and said, yo, I thought he heard you. Joke's on you, you're the fighting ass crew. So, okay. My man came over and said, yeah, we heard you. Joke's on you, you heard a fighting ass crew. My man came over and said, Joe, we thought we heard you. Joke's on you, you heard a fighting ass crew, but uh. You know, that was sort of like our, yeah, we see y'all out there. Like, that was our idea first. But it, again, it, it was all in the name of, like, just real competitive 
Like, it was never a thing where, you know, it's going to be all-out war. Well, look, though, that leads me to my next and probably final question as we as we wrap this up. Like, because what they do is a big single and that video. Like, right. we got to talk about the video. All right, so here's the deal. I mean, you're talking about all-out war. <laughs> so here is the deal. So we finished the album. So we knock out what they do. And the last song we do... The last day of Philadelphia Half-Life also coincidentally is the first day of Voodoo. So, you know, we want to turn this record in by July so that we can have a September release because back then you needed a three-month leeway yeah. to turn your record in, critics and all that stuff. So uh, we knocked out what they do and we knocked out uh, the hypnotic. Yeah, I knew this girl named Alana with mad persona. She dealt with reality, never fed into the drama. I met her through my nigga named Jermaine Palmer, who knew her through his people's by the Baltimore Harbor. Alana was a Maryland, thorough and attractive. Shorty that Quickly, the story of the hypnotic. Um, Slim Kid Trey. Yeah, so every day driving home from the studio, five in the morning, six in the morning, I put Emerald Butterfly on by the far side. And idle time is the playground Where old professions lay down Like sweet sugar stays brown And on the mind Gallus whispers blow through tender lips Like wind chimes That tingle quiet ears This is in Philly You driving home from the studio Doing that? Playing yeah ass? Okay In Philly Yeah And you know The Jazzies had a copy of Emerald Butterfly Because they're singing on it Oh okay Now it all makes sense Right And they, you know I think on that tape There was an instrumental there mm -hmm. So just The sound of that song was the perfect soundtrack to the twilight, you know, it's, right. it's late about at to be, night, sun's about to rise. Yeah, five in the morning, the sky's all pink and whatever, I and it's that. just like, that was our driving home music. And by the end of it, I didn't have any ideas for D'Angelo. And I was just like, you know, I called up Tracy and, and, and you know, uh, Dawn to see if they could call up Trey to see if we could get the the reel and back then you had to send like physical reels and whatnot and they were like flattered like oh yeah do it so we knocked out the record and time to do the videos and i will say of everything that is a, that the roots is about like we will micromanage everything the the album credits the fonts the titles the everything our weakest area was the visuals now i don't know if this is a psychological sabotage thing where it's like you know, a person that will break up with you before you break up with them. Yeah. I'll quit the job before I get fired. Uh -huh. You know, we weren't competitive with these Hype Williams videos. We were right. getting, they, those were million dollar videos. Right. We were getting like $100,000 budgets and, you know, no wardrobe. Yeah, you're just basically wearing whatever you had on that day. Yeah, and it was like after clones. Ah, man. Horrible video. I hate that fucking video. That video's got a charm to it, but I, I can understand yeah, from the well, artist's perspective. I mean, and, yeah. a, a, a potholes in my lawn kind of charm, but by this point, like, Bad Boy's in full swing. Exactly. Like, Diddy's doing the cha-cha with J-Lo in his yeah. videos, and Quincy Jones is in there. You know, like, us versus them was, was just starting to plant its seed. And so we chose Charles Stone to do... Uh, Concerto of a Desperado. That was a great video. Which I wasn't mad at. Charles was a, a Philly guy. But the whole thing was like, basically, we were just extremely self-deprecating. We were motley. We already were like, oh, we're going to lose already. So we just really put no effort into the visual. It was more or less like here. If you remember in Boomerang, where uh, Eddie Murphy just tells Joffrey Holder, like, before they st shot that Strong J commercial, like, yeah, man, do what, uh, I don't care. Just do whichever. And then Joffrey Holder does his most exaggerated Grace Jones, <laughs> like, ah, you know, all that. And that's, 
you know, it it was cool for Concerto, but for what they do, we had label mates, a group named Tesla. Hmm. Weird name. Uh, Tesla did a song called To Be With You. Oh, the rock band Tesla. Yes. Okay, I remember them now. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we would choose video directors based on the video stash. And we would go through groups that Geffen had good relationships with. So they put the the Tesla thing on. Hey, this guy did a Tesla video. Da, da, da. And so then they got to the third video. It's like, hey, you guys, your, your guy that did Concerto over Desperado, he also did this Tesla video. And it was a hilarious as a video. It was a video of the guys in a plain green screen. And the 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 commentary would happen. Uh glam shot. Oh, so they were doing the mo the video music video motif thing. Yes. In that video. But they hated that video. Okay. And they left the label. Oh. So that song and that video never Shell. came out. Okay. And I was like, and how much y'all make this for? He's like, yeah, we made it for like uh, two fifty. I was like, dude. And I called up Charles Stone. Hello. Charles Stone is the uh, creator of What's Up? What's Up? What's Up? What's up? You know, Philly homeboy. Mm-hmm. So we called him up. Like, yo, dude, that Tesla video you made. Like, we want that video. He's like, Shh, no problem. So. We didn't look at the treatment or none of that stuff. We just thought, like, you're going to give us exactly what you gave to Tesla. We didn't know that people might feel a certain sort of way. Because maybe, I guess on paper, that video doesn't necessarily need to be critiquing mainstream hip-hop. On paper, there was never a, we're going to build the exact set of One More Chance. Right. You know, we're going to do, it was more or less like, cliche thing like right. rental car shot yeah yeah but here's the other thing i totally forgot about ego trip so even then we were so like grinding in europe like there was no cable there's no i mean there's the omtv raps but we didn't have that shit so we totally missed that so we do the video and in a tongue-in-cheek way yes th- but we were and you know this is not also to back out of like you know they're they're pouring the champagne thing. I was like, well, you know, okay, so we'll we'll do the glass thing and all that stuff. But to me, it was more like a, a very dry, tongue in cheek. We are fish out of water in this in this place, and you know, again, we're not thinking that people are going to feel a certain way about this. And so, y'all's intention was never to like come at someone. Well, not even not even come at somebody like. It made me think of like, you know, death of auto-tune or something, right? Where if like you Dude. call something out, you kind of almost expect it to like go so the away. Way, yeah, the way that people were like giving us pounds, like, yes, I finally wait for someone to stand up for real hip hop. <laughs> and you know, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> not really, but uh, okay, I'll, I'll be what you want me to be. Mm. I'm on what side, whatever side's winning. Shit was cool. Like we're start, we're getting added on MTV. In the afternoon, non yeah. Yo MTV raps. Like, this is our first, like, taste video of... Video that's crossing over. Yeah, yeah, and it's happening. So, back in Europe. It's now a year later. Back in Europe. March of 1997. So, we're in Paris, France. And Selwyn Hines, the now uh, editor-in-chief of The Source magazine. If you remember... There was a, a conflict of interest situation between Benzino and the original source staff over an almighty RSO situation. So that staff walks out. To show you my obsession with shit, literally uh, begging to see what my mic rating was. Like, I went up there, like, early in the morning, waited outside. And as they opened up that fresh issue, I'm seeing my mic rating. They're seeing an Armadi RSO story that they didn't approve and it was like amir you got to leave the office right now hell's about to break loose and so that red man 94 october issue was the last classic source issue so i'm happy as shit we got to leave review four mics i'm running home like i made it meanwhile hell's breaking loose you know at the source office so selwyn hines calls my publicist up amy mars and it's like yo I just want to warn you that Biggie has some choice words oh. about the uh, what they do 
video, and I want to know if Amir would like to rebut and have response to it. To be quoted in the source? Right. And I was like, wait, Biggie has what? Because Biggie's family. Biggie went on record to say, like, in Eagle Trip magazine, he's, like, rating the rappers. He We got a perfect 10. He's, like, scoring all the rappers and whatnot. Like, oh, J. Rue the Damager, number nine. The Roots, oh, I love them. Can't you? We have Biggie on record, on video, saying, yo, I love y'all niggas. That song, can't you see what you mean to me? I want to love you constantly. <laughs> he's singing silent treatment to us. So it was like, he's family. Yeah. Um, Just totally missed that we made a one more, a blatant one more chance reference. So he's like, yeah, man, you know, my feelings is hurt, man, but you know, it's all good. Because by that point, uh, Few groups starting with like playing yourself, like with J. Rue's. That's thing. what I was about to say. If he was shouting out J. Rue and then they ended up beating J. Rue up or something, didn't no, they? No, no, no. There was, there was, a, but there was uh, a very much loved rap group that got a pre uh, viral video, pre world star retaliation that that shit, that word of that just spread through like the industry like a motherfucker. Like, Biggie's out for blood, and he's, you know, it's it's bad enough, like, the shit's happening at death row, but it's, like, in his own backyard, like, y'all coming at me? So all I remember was, like, the quote was, like, yeah, you know, you know, I'm cool, but, you know, one of my, you know, my nigga, I don't know if it was, like, gutter or, like, one of them cast that he shots out, like, you know, he he might have to see, you know, the, the nigga with the stick in his mouth just bow, like, something like he was like, yo, I'm going to see them niggas. Damn. And I was totally, I was like, yo, it's that serious? Oh, shit. Like, now it's like, what do I do? Because it's like, okay, well, we were lightly tapping, but we didn't mean offense to it. But now it's like the video's in rotation at MTV, so the world doesn't know that. Right. So what do I do? I don't want to look like a sucker being like backing out of a, backing out of something. So I asked Selwyn Hines, I was like, yo. Can I write an op-ed? Oh, and he's like laughing, like, motherfucker, like this ain't the New York Times. Like, <laughs> you want to write an op-ed? And I was like, yo, man, I really want to. And I, my my case was that I remember you guys let Farrah Munch write the, instead of you doing the editor, you know, the editor of the uh, yeah. issue does the first page and mm -hmm. write something. They let Farrah Munch write about, you know, something. And I was like, I want that position. He's like, all right, well, write it. So I remember me and Rich crafting like the perfect manifesto of like what we saw as the 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 brewing like whatever it was it was sort of like it wasn't us backing down but it was also like are we going to sacrifice art for commerce like it could be seen as 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 pretentious or whatever but I mean our aim our aim was true and we never meant that. We never meant that with ill intent. The truth is, yo, man, we were just self-deprecating, lazy dudes. I mean, not lazy dudes, but like, we didn't care about the video. And it's just like, all right, whatever y'all want to do, just show me where to stand, and I'll I'll do the shit. And the video was funny, so we approved it. It was we were. It was like finally a a, a video that's funny and engaging. Yeah, we approve it, but not once did we think like. That might offend somebody. We just thought everyone would be laughing at Especially because y'all used to go under the radar anyway. So y'all never had to think about nothing like that before. Yeah, it's it's just that we truly didn't do it. And, and like, all I remember was, man. So February of, you remember the whole uh, Grammy situation with Old Dirty Bastard? Yeah. Like Wu-Tang's for the children. I went and bought me an outfit today that costed a lot of money today. You know what I mean? Because I figured that Wu-Tang was going to win. I don't know how y'all see it, but when it comes to the children, Wu-Tang is for the children. We teach the children. You know what I mean? Puffy is good, but Wu-Tang is the best. Okay? I want y'all to know that this is ODB and I love you all. Peace. The Grammys are in New York City at Radio City Music Hall. And Erica won for Baduism that night. She won Album of the Year, so I, I was there. And the best R&B album is... Oh, I'm such a big fan. Erica Badu. Woo! All right. <laughs> you know, I represent the artists 
who are often unheard. And this is for us. Amir, you see this? <laughs> All I remember was I was at the after party and I got a page from Dream Hampton. She's like, are you at the da 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 universal after party right now? I was like, yeah. She's like, leave right now. Oh, shit. And I was like, why? What's happening? It's like, leave right now. I was like, how long do I got? And she's like, now. Like, you got five minutes. And I guess I was spotted by someone in the camp who'd been warned, da, 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 who warned, da, 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 da. yo, they here right now. And so I left. A week later, we're in back on tour. And it's also like, catch us if you can. Like, we're always in Europe. So it's like six months over there. We're going to be there till from March to maybe June. So we crafted this rebuttal, which I, th I thought was, was tasteful. And, and we stood our ground. And we more or less talked about the danger of where we saw hip-hop going. Um, and it took about nine hours to craft. This is before texting and computers and all that stuff, so I'm writing this shit down. There's nobody at the front desk when I'm done, so I was like, all right, I'll wait till the morning, get up the next day, I go to the front desk. We're at a Holiday Inn in Paris, about to go to the south of France. And I asked to use the phone, and I text uh, my publicist, Amy, and I'm like, hey, give me your fax number so I can fax you this this rebuttal. It's like, what rebuttal? I said, the rebuttal that I'm going to send Selwyn Hines for the the response thing. She's like, are you serious right now? Oh, I was boy. like, yeah. It's like, you don't know what happened. And I was like, what are you talking about? Biggie's dead. The second time in six months, a star in the often brutal world of gangster rap has been gunned down. This time it was notorious B.I.G., Wait, but literally 10 hours ago, Selwyn, it's like, I know, Selwyn asked you for a response. He he was the last interview. He went to that and he explained everything. He went to the after party, blah, 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 blah. And he's dead. And literally, I'm like, so what happens? Like, are we, do I still send this thing or I don't, I don't know what to do. And man, that that shit hit me. Even now, man, like I hate the fact that he left without really knowing. He never got the chance to understand. Yeah, that, where that yeah, was coming from. Y'all never got never to really, like, like piece it up or nothing like that. The thing is, is that you know it was a whole different environment when we arrived in the states in May of 1997. And the first thing that I do, um, I am now at the beginning of voodoo land. So we're starting to do these long mammoth sessions at electric lady. And I arrived in New York. Um, it's a Sunday night. I hit up Q-tip like, yo, let's get dinner or something. So he picks me up. And, um, all I remember was, um, Q-tips like, yo, um, we're going to do dinner and I'm hosting something called Lyris's lounge. <laughs> Shit. And, Yo, you gotta see this kid, man. He's an incredible MC. He's like, you, you know about Mighty Most Def? And I was like, nah, never. And he talked about like UTD or whatever. Like he was in a group uh, on Payday Records. UTD. He was part of. He was like a trio before he went solo. Well, if it ain't red, then it must be blue. And if it ain't false, then it must be true. And if it ain't day, then it must be night. And if it ain't left, then it must be right. And if it ain't whipped, then it must be hype. And if it ain't loose, then it must be tight. And if it ain't off, then it must be on. If it ain't here, then it must be gone. If the shit ain't proper, then it must be wrong. Whatever don't fit does not belong. And so it's like, all right, so we grab dinner, and he's going to host Lyris' Lounge. And most is without a record deal. You know what I mean? And so... He's like, but he's such he's such a, a charismatic MC. He's like a almost like a stand-up comedian and a really dope MC. You're gonna love this guy. And Tip is like telling the entire industry, like, come out, see this guy, see this guy, whatever. So most, of course, is everything. I mean, he's in rare form. Of like, course. Really just like engaging. I've never seen someone like talk to the crowd, be funny, be himself, and not have to put on these 
posturing things mm-hmm. or whatever. And he's just killing shit. And right before he does his last song, he's like, he's he he does a little acapella and he does his version of a children's story that winds up on the Black Star record. But he does the acapella. Me and you, kid, we gonna make some cash. Jacking old pizza and making the dash. And, you know, he's doing it like freestyle, like kind of like Lyricist Lounge style where every line is just like, <laughs> So he does that whole narrative, right? Gets to the last part. So this ain't funny, so don't you dare laugh. Now, when he's doing this children's story thing, you know who he's talking about. He instead of talking about a guy mired in trouble with with gun charges, he's talking about a uh, a CEO who is a wannabe producer mm-hmm. who is jacking up all these samples that are easy and not really putting effort into it and whatever. They jack the beats, money came with ease, but Sonny couldn't stop us like he had a disease. He jacked another, had another Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder. So it's like, wink, we know the producer that he's talking about that's coming in and shitting on hip-hop. We know it. And we're looking at his every word. So do you know the the front cover of the Universal Magnetic B-Boy? I don't know what I'm talking about. He's like standing in a B-Boy stance Okay, yeah, actually do know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's from that night. Wow. So he says his line. This ain't funny, but don't you dare laugh. Then in the case about the wrong thing. See? Now, and whatever the last line is, it's different than straight. Now only this little kid's cast. Good night. Like, it's something to do with that figure who's ruining hip-hop. And he says, Drake, now it's on the Good night. And he does the B-Boy stance, right? This ain't funny, so don't you dare laugh. It just will come to pass when you sell your ass. Life is more than what your hands can grasp. Good night. And we are all like... he is killing like I'm hugging people like within proximity and hugging them and hugging them and hugging them and I'm my peripheral I looked at 3 o'clock oh god no it's like think of think of Wesley Snipes blade mode Mm. all black black and then black and then black and then black it's Diddy it's D. Angelette oh, oh, is Rashad Smith. It's okay. the entire Diddy and the Hitman. Okay, yeah. And it's like nine of them. And they were watching me high-five motherfuckers Ooh. like, yo, he killed that shit. Yeah, man. Yes. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, shit. And I was like, oh, man. I'm about to have a PM Dorn beat down. Oh, my God. It's over. Like, it's literally over. But he was just, he was gritting in my face so hard. Like, at, he's hes really focused on you and not most on stage? Because by that point, like, that, what they do really spread ripples. Like, yeah. we weren't known, we weren't that hip-hop one-on-one band. We weren't the jazzy group. We were the dudes that made that funny-ass video mm. making fun of the villains. But on top of, the bad boy shit, on top of the killings, on top of, you know, other people from the East Coast dissing them. But here I am in the flat, and like that video just encapsulates all the hateration mm-hmm. that they feel. And I was like, well, if I was going to get sucker punched, it would have happened right now. But Tip is also feeling some sort of way because Tip didn't know that he was going to do that. I see. Because Tip's trying to get, get him get most put of on. on. Yeah. So now. I think between the balance of, oh, here's that Roots nigga right here versus, oh, what you trying to set me up, nigga? Like, that edged out. That was, that was 51 to 49%. So now Tip has to be a diplomat. And I just stood in place because, you know, I didn't want to, like, walk away from the situation and then really, like, yo, they looking for you. Like, I whatever was coming to me, you just like... just wanted to happen right then. Let's have it right now. Mm-hmm. And so... Tip is basically like five minutes later, he comes up, yo, can we all be in the back? And so it's me, and, and we're at Wetlands. So it's me, Tip, 
Diddy, all the Diddy hitmen. Jesus. Emos. And we're sitting there on these low ass chairs. And it's almost like that moment in New Jack Swing when like, you know, Wesley Snipes has the the, the blade thing, you know, mm-hmm. like who infiltrated the car? And like it's <laughs> one of those moments. Yeah. And he's like, let me tell you something, Playboy. If I want to fuck like four bitches right now, I could do that. Like he's everything that we talked about in the video. He's like, flexing it. If right? I want to, <laughs> if I want to drink twenty bottles of Cristal, I could do that. You know, my man had love for y'all. Y'all just shit it on my man. Uh, and he just passed two a few months before. And he's just let me have it. Let uh. me have it. Let me have it. Let me have it. Let me have it. And I'm just like, fuck. Wait man. a minute. And Moses in the room. Yeah, yeah he's, mean, just, he's just like, why is it? Oh, man. He, he just, like, it was more, I'm, I'm, I'm not being dismissive by saying, like, it was a performative act to let them know. But it was like, you know, it was it was that moment where, like, that screaming that he did on Pray For My Downfall. You weak, jealous motherfuckers. If you a jealous motherfucker, you just a weak motherfucker. See, when you're on top, motherfuckers just want to bring you down. Like, we just, we took that shit for 20 minutes. Like, I've never had, you know, when you're about to get that beaten from your pops, yeah. but you got to go through that speech first. <laughs> like, it was just like, are we leaving or not? And then he's just like, peace, and walked out. Wow. And I looked at Tip like, so what happens? He said, I guess we go home. Damn. So, like, I felt relieved because I didn't get the universal beat down. Right. <laughs> Tip probably felt like, oh, man, like, I got set up trying to hook somebody up. And I don't know what most felt. Most was like, oh, I'm going to sign with, you know, Rupert Murdoch's kids at Rockets. <laughs> and we went home. And that's the next day, the beginning of Voodoo, which then bleeds into Things Fall Apart starts. So that's kind of how... Philadelphia Half-Life ends. So. <laughs> well, we'll leave it there for now. We'll get a little bit into a little bit of how it was received next time. But uh, what an amazing place to end it. We will catch y'all next time. Yeah.